0: Our guest today is a writer, actor, musician, TV personality, and drag queen well known to anyone familiar with the New York City drag scene. I'm happy to have with me today the wonderful Sherry Vine. Hello. Hi,
1: you forgot prostitute. No, I'm totally kidding. (laughs) Hi.
0: Alrighty, so (laughs) as I started with my intro, you've done a lot throughout your career. Mm -hmm. You've toured around the world you created and hosted your own television show you've made a bunch of song parodies <laughs> uh and way more than that of all your accomplishments so far which are you most proud of and why
1: wow that is wow you're going right into it <laughs> that's hard to say there's so many um i mean i've been doing sherry vine and Drag for 28 years so it's a long time, and I feel like I've put everything into kind of chapters. And so when I first started in the 90s, I was like my theater company. There's that chapter, Theater Couture. Then YouTube came... Oh, sorry. Then I moved to Berlin for three years. There's that chapter, Living in Europe. Then I started doing parodies of you on YouTube, and there's the YouTube chapter. And now I'm into a new chapter. So it's really hard. I mean, in each chapter, there was something that was like a dream come true. Like in the theater chapter here in New York, we did all our shows at PS 122, And one of them got picked up and moved off Broadway. And that was just like a dream come true. Cause I'm like, oh my God, we're off, off, you know, we are off Broadway Mm -hmm. doing a show that's ours. Yeah. And so that was really special. And then um, the YouTube stuff, like certainly the bad romance parody, was like the first drag video to go viral and Gaga loved it. And that was just opened the doors of where I was traveling a lot and performing in big cities. It just opened it on a much larger scale, which seems so kind of like not such a big deal now because of drag race. Mm -hmm. But back then before drag race, it really was kind of like, oh, my God, I'm going to perform in Des Moines or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay. And then I guess since you mentioned that you kind of break up your career into chapters, is there any one chapter that you found the most difficult, and if so, why?
1: <laughs> well, um, they all kind of became difficult in their own way. It's interesting. I feel like there's a peak, like you're doing something and it peaks, and you're like, "This is the what? I, this is the dream," and then what becomes challenging and difficult is. Maintaining that or accepting that it's time to move on is really difficult. That of like, okay, am I beating a dead horse? Like with YouTube is a perfect example. I used to put anything up and it would get hundreds of thousands of views. And now I put something it gets like 2000 because mm-hmm. it's so saturated. And yes, okay, one, I'm doing similar, like they're just stupid, silly nasty <laughs> yeah. parodies okay so that's they've that's been done it's been 10 years and number two it's so saturated like everyone's doing it. and three there's certain drag queens that have raised the bar like Willem or Alaska because they have the resources to make a video that looks like a $100,000 video yeah. and I do not so it was just kind of like time to, I really didn't want to let go. I was like, no, let's keep going. keep. And I was churning them out. And then I was like, you know what? It's time to do something else. So the hardest thing I think for me is that letting go and moving on.
0: Gotcha. So you mentioned that you did, um, I think you said three years in Berlin?
1: I lived in Europe for almost four years because I spent um, about four or five months in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And then I lived in Berlin for three years.
0: So how would you say the drag scene in Berlin compared to, let's say, like New York or L.A.?
1: Well, at that time, certainly, again, um, I mean, I reference Drag Race a lot only because it has changed the game so much. Yeah. But um, certainly back then, the difference would have been that in Germany, especially in Berlin, drag is a legitimate art form. That it's, you know, government subsidized and um, the people that go to the show are gay, straight and everything. It's not marginalized or ghettoized at all. It is really a legitimate art form and you're taken seriously as an artist and I felt that the United States was definitely behind in terms of that. Um, they just have always had it in their culture. And even in Great Britain, you've got, like, Dame Edna or Benny Hill and all these, you know, that did a lot of drag. It was just kind of like, okay, people in their mind weren't thinking it. It wasn't sexualized. It wasn't whether it's gay or not. it's just was funny. Mm-hmm. So I think here, certainly before Drag Race, that um, – drag was not really taken as a legitimate art form and it was definitely you know for gay men
0: got you and then you've also mentioned in a previous interview that you've performed in like most of the countries in europe (laughs) is there any country in particular that surprised you either in audience turnout or just a sheer excitement and energy for drag
1: yeah um Some of the best times I've ever had have been performing in places that don't really have drag um, or it's very new. It's not necessarily safe. Mm -hmm. And um, like I was performing somewhere in Europe and I got an email out of the blue from this guy that owns the only gay bar in Zagreb in Croatia. He's like, oh my God, we would love to have you come and perform. I'm like, oh my God, that'd be so cool. He's like... We don't have any money. We're a tiny little country, little bar. We don't have a lot of money. We can't pay you what you usually get paid. And I'm like, honey, pay for the flight and the hotel, and I'm coming. Mm -hmm. And they did. And they treated me, meaning the owners and the, the people in the bar. It was packed. And they treated me like a rock star. And it was just like, you know, because I was like, oh. And they said to me, they're like, no one comes here. You know, and uh, it was just this really great feeling. One, you know, on an ego, pure ego level, it was great because I was like, oh, I'm like being treated like a rock star. And on the other hand, I felt like this is really important because they need this and they don't have um, a lot. It's still very shaky to be openly gay in a lot of countries. I've done a lot of shows in Estonia. Mm-hmm. Where I was like leaving the bar, like okay, I'm gonna walk back to the hotel. I'm like no, 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 We will drive you. I'm like it's right across. They're like no, no, we're gonna drive you. Hmm. So I was like oh, okay, because in my mind I'm like it's fine, yeah. but it's not. So places like that have been, I think, the most fun. Gotcha. When I I always have to remind myself that when I make decisions based on things that I really want to do. I'm going to have a better time than when I make decisions based on money.
0: And then you you touched on this, that there's a lot of younger people getting into drag now because of drag race. And I think because of that, there's also a lot of people that are curious about getting into drag. I guess something I'm curious about is what would you say is the most expensive thing about doing drag? (laughs) And is there anything that surprised you when you started doing drag about like, Oh wow! I'm spending a lot of money on this. I never thought I would have to.
1: Look, there's there's so many different ways to do drag, and there's so many different types of drag. And there's definitely no right or wrong. I mean, I went from being total secondhand drag queen, where like everything I wore was either given to me or in Goodwill, mm-hmm. and the makeup also was given to me or you know a drugstore, and so it doesn't have to be expensive at all. And I was just recently, maybe in the last like six or seven years where I was like, if I want people to kind of treat me differently, like, um, as someone who's been around a long time, Mm -hmm. then I need to look the part. Yeah. And that's when I really started to be like, okay, I'm, I don't, I'm, cannot sew or do hair. Mm -hmm. And so I have things made. um, And the things that I'm having made, I couldn't make. Please, these are people who have spent 30 years at their craft. So why would I even pretend that I can do it? I can't. And so like uh, this dress I wore last summer to open for Bianca Del Rio, I needed. was like, it has to be a showstopper. And it was sickening, stunning, gorgeous. My friend David Dalton-Rimple made it. But it cost a... a lot of money, but it looks like it cost a lot of money. So there's no right or wrong and everything, but I just was like, okay, I've been doing this for 30 years. I need to like walk in and look, I want to look expensive. If you're going to ask for a lot of money or for people to fly you around the world, then look good. You've talked about that. You've
0: been in the scene for quite a bit. And I think there's a lot of things that people would point out have changed for the better. However, do you feel like there's anything that has changed for the worse? And if so, what and why?
1: No, I mean, I do get asked this question a lot and I have thought about it and talked about it with other queens of all ages. And it's um, it's interesting. I don't know if I could say for the worse or the better. I mean, it just has changed mm-hmm. and your choice is either to evolve with it or not. Mm-hmm. And if you and I've seen a lot of queens who I think are amazing and talented, but just aren't, don't have the capacity to evolve, and so it becomes very difficult for them. And um, I think that that is uh, the thing that you just kind of always have to ask yourself, like, kind of be aware of: what's going on, what's happening, and how do, am I going to fit into this without changing what I do?
0: Got you. And then are there any changes or innovations that you'd like to see in the drag scene? And if so, what
1: and why? Well, the funny thing is, I kind of wish gay bars would treat drag queens (laughs) better. The Hmm. way that it's kind of changed. It used to be the gay bars were like, treated you like, you know, you were special. And now I feel like a lot of them treat... You know, the bartenders, like, they're the star, which is great. I mean, they're they're bringing money. But, you know, I don't know. I don't want to sound bitter or anything at all because I'm not. But I just been my experience in some of the gay bars in different cities, especially big cities. They really treat the queens like they're doing them a favor. Huh. And straight bars, on the other hand, treat you like you're a goddess. So, a lot of them, not all of them. And I'm just generalizing. So, I was kind of like... When I moved to L.A. and I stopped working in bars so much and I was just doing a couple of them, I was like, wow, they don't really treat the girls here very well. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to appreciate them. Like no drinks and none of this. I was like, oh, okay. Well, When did that change?
0: Yeah. Why do you think that there is a distinct distinction in treatment, generally speaking, between straight bars and gay bars?
1: I don't know if it's because it's like the shiny new toy for straight bars. And they're like, oh, we love drag queens now. We want a drag queen. And certainly, like, you go do a brunch show, a drag brunch show, and it's like, you know, 90% straight women. Yeah. You know, I'm like, there are no gay men here. Mm -hmm. And so that's great. Fine. And They definitely treat you a little like you're special. Like, you're the unicorn. And the gay, maybe not so much. I mean, like, again, I'm generalizing, and I can see someone listening to this thinking, like, God, who's that bitter old bitch? But, <laughs> uh, and I'm not. I'm just saying, you know, there were a couple bars I went to recently to perform where I was like, sh- like uh, I didn't know if it was a joke or not. They are like, wow, they're really treating everybody, the girls, like not nice. And I don't know, maybe it's because now there's eight million drag queens yeah. that they're like, well, screw you. You don't want to work here. I got this girl over here who would do it for a cab fare. I mean, my experience in drag in New York working in the bars was, I mean, I worked for the same bar owner, um, Bob Pontarelli, who owned Crow Bar, which used to be in the East Village, Barracuda and Industry and Elmo. And I worked for him for 27 years. So it's just like amazing. And it's, it is is different in New York than L.A. what What do you
0: find different?
1: I think they really appreciate the queens and the shows here, that they, you know, if you look around at the queens in New York who are working, and I think a good sign is how long someone's been somewhere. So if Tina Burner has been at Barracuda for 10 years, something has to be right. Yeah, She's treated well or whatever, or they can at least have a conversation about things or whatever. And it's very, you know, democratic. And if you look at a bar where you're like, every three months there's a new show, then that's not a good sign. Yeah.
0: Do you think that's because, like, perhaps, like, L.A. is kind of newer to drag? Or what do you think, like, makes up this difference in, like, attitudes? You think it's just an L.A. attitude?
1: No, I mean, there's a couple things. And again, I don't, I can't. Name bars one because I honestly don't know. In New York, I know that the majority of the gay bars, the ones that I worked at anyway, are gay owned, mm-hmm. and the lot in L.A. are not. Hmm. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not. I'm just saying yeah. that that is definitely something. And like I said, I really feel like in L.A. there's there there are so many queens, and that's great. But um, they do have that kind of attitude of like, screw you, this one over here will do it for, just work for tips. Hmm. We don't have to pair. And um, not many New York queens that would do that. They would do it a couple times maybe.
0: Yeah. It's it's interesting just to hear most of the people that we've interviewed have started in New York or made their career in New York. And they, they always talk about how like, there's something about a new york queen that's different and it's and it's almost always because like almost a consistent answer we've gotten and it's like you like have to be like if you're making it in new york like you're good enough like there's
1: well i always say there new york's not a small pond so you can be a big fish in a small pond in wherever <laughs> yeah But New York's the big pond, so Mm -hmm. it's all big fish. So you have to have something that's going to make you stand out or shine. And when I look around at the Queens in New York, I'm amazed at the talent. I'm like, she can dance. She can sing. She's funny. She does this. You know, it's like there's so much. And in L.A., too. I mean, I'm not um, certainly not putting down the Queens in L.A. There's some... uh, amazing, amazing talent. And and also LA's different because it's so spread out. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got downtown West Hollywood, Hollywood, the Valley, Orange County. So there's, it's so, so spread out. It's, and it's very kind of different. Like I just did a show downtown LA at a, at a gay bar and had the best time. Like it was the best crowd.
0: Hmm. So... I guess to talk about something about a bit about drag as a whole. So I think nowadays people that got into drag through drag race tend to associate like lip syncing is the thing drag queens do. You're a singing queen. So I guess I'm curious to you is was lip syncing put on a pedestal like it is today back when you started
1: Well, when I started, and I'm certainly not taking credit for it at all, but it was this renaissance. There was this moment in 1992 in New York when I first moved here where there were these queens singing live. And you didn't see that in New York so much. You really didn't. But like Joey Arias, Mm -hmm. me, Shaquita, Varla Jean Merman, Jackie Beat, all started out singing live. None of us started lip syncing. And and it was just kind of weird that it happened around the same time. And when I came to New York, there were gay bars here where they were like, no, period, you cannot sing. Huh. Like, they were not interested. Maybe they had heard me sing before, and they were <laughs> like, no, you can't sing live. But um, it was... uh. It really kind of took a while. And then there was this big boom with parties like Squeeze Box, which was a live, like, gay rock party. And the queens would come and sing with a live rock band, and it was so thrilling. And then I did uh, Bardot with Joey Arias and Raven which was live singing, no lip sync. So it really was this kind of uh, different thing. But then you had places like Boy Bar, where it was lip sync. But those queens, I mean... I would never, ever say that one is better than the other because there are queens that can lip-sync like it's this other out-of-body experience and it's not, uh, it's amazing and I can't do it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, Princess Deandra Sweetie, there were these queens that just like can lip-sync where you're just like, you feel it. Um, Yeah. Gotcha.
0: So, um... Let's see. Uh, if I've had
1: many people say, please lip sync, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I meant you're still doing it. So. Yes. <laughs> uh If you didn't end up doing drag, what do you think you would have done career-wise?
1: I would have been an actor. I mean, I consider drag acting for mm-hmm. sure, and Sherry Vine's a character, but I was definitely on the path of a traditional acting career and doing well, and just completely jumped tracks and started doing drag. I just felt that that's what I was meant to do. And I can look back 30 years later and say that um, I definitely am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Got you. Do you ever find anything limited
0: about Having a drag persona, being a character, I suppose, or having a character, or do you ever find anything about limiting about drag in
1: general? Um, not so much anymore. I think it used to be limiting, like I said, because it wasn't considered a legitimate art. For I remember going in, I was I was recording some original songs. This was like in the mid nineties. And I actually was able to get meetings with all these different record labels. And I would go in and they would literally look me in the face and just be like, We've got one. Mm-hmm. Meaning RuPaul. Yeah. It, check, done, got one. So they weren't even, it wasn't even like in their mind that there could be more than one drag queen who sings. Yeah. And it, got it. And it'd be the same as like saying, Oh, you're a black female rap artist? Got one. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And so that has changed a lot, and that's great. But there was a time where that it was kind of limiting that way. Even when we did the "She's Living for This" the TV show, um, there was question about, well, can we do this? You know, there's Drag Race, and I don't know. I think that now it's kind of opened the door where now movies and TV, everyone's like, oh, we need a drag queen, mm-hmm. you know, which is great. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I've always found certain things like that challenging. And then it's just like, I'm going to find a way to do this. Yeah. Like no one's going to tell me I can't. Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. <sighs> um, and then you brought this up. So you've done both things for TV and you've done both and things for online What would you say the biggest differences are in terms of from a creative perspective? And did you prefer one or the other?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the TV show, She's Living for This, which you can see on Hulu and Amazon. (laughs) Um, That was my dream come true. I grew up watching the Carol Burnett show. That was my biggest influence. And I remember being like five years old thinking, that's what I want to do. And that's really Everything that I've done has been kind of under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. And I always, my mantra has always been, What would Carol do? Like, you know, everyone has something different, but I would, if I was given like a show or a song or whatever, I would be like, What would Carol do? And so that show, which was totally influenced and ripped off the Carol Burnett show, that format of a variety show, that was my dream come true and that is the best most fun thing i've ever done in my life and uh, the most works so, you know i was writing it co-producing it or running around gathering props i mean there was the team of people with was me and josh <laughs> mm-hmm. and um and we were just lucky to have you know the here tv who produced originally like say yeah let's try this so that was the highlight. If I could do any one thing, it would be to do a new variety show.
0: Got you. And you brought up that you were influenced by Carol Burnett show or is there any other shows that growing up kind of shaped who you are today?
1: Well, certainly anything like that. Like the Share, Sunny and Share, the Share show. I mean, just the costumes and the looks and even on the share show where she was like Laverne and these different characters. Yeah. And it was so silly and stupid and gorgeous and everything at one time. And it was like, that's what I want to do. Got gotcha. you.
0: And then uh, two last questions. Um, so you're a multi-talented individual, as, we, as we've talked about. <laughs> Are there any talents that people might be surprised that you have.
1: I wish I was, I I play the guitar kind of like as a hobby. I just, it was one of those things where I was like, my entire life had said, oh, I wish I could play a musical instrument. And one day I was like, I'm going to take guitar lessons. But I've only played it live like two or three times. And so I kind of wish I was better at that. I wish I could dance because I cannot at all. I don't know. I mean, I can't draw. I'm not that kind of an artist at all. I don't think I have anything that people haven't seen. Yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) I'm a total geek. Like, it's not a talent, but if someone said, tell us something about you that people would be surprised, it'd probably be that I'm like, I'm the person going to the Avengers on Thursday at midnight alone. (laughs) You know what? I think we've all
0: been there
1: to to some extent. (laughs) Yeah. But okay, and, and then going home after the movie and googling forums. Yeah, just, yeah. Hi. Yeah, just, that's a, that's that's me.
0: Seeing what the, ang- just seeing what everyone's getting angry about this time around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, you kind of answered this, but yeah, is there anything that you wish you had like the skill for, or something that you've tried to do but never had the knock for?
1: I mean, I'll try. I would rather. I've always been a big advocate of trying something and making a fool out of yourself as opposed to being too scared to try it. I've done shows where I've had my best friends come up and be like, yeah, I don't know if that's your thing. I'm like, okay, that's valid and you're probably right, but I wanted to try, Mm -hmm. you know? I'm not a dancer. And I did this show once here in New York where I had like eight dancers and... It wasn't a parody. It was just this original song I wrote, and the curtain opened, and we started, and people were laughing. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, are they laughing at me? And I was like, no. They're laughing because I have trained them to think that I'm going to do something stupid. (laughs) That I'm the comedian. So they weren't prepared to see something. They they were like, oh yeah, Sherry, we're going to laugh. And then... So that was the lesson learned where it's like, oh, what would Carol do? I didn't ask myself, what would Carol do with this? And that's probably not, if it's not set up that way, then that's probably not a good idea. Gotcha. For me. (laughs) All righty. So where can the people
0: find you, follow you? keep track of you if they are interested in what they've heard so far.
1: I live in Los Angeles now so I'm doing the Golden Girls for the first two weeks of August and then I'm going on tour opening for Bianca Del Rio's tour in Europe and London and then I'm embarking on my first solo show in many years called Hollywood and Vine and that's just check out my website sherryvine.com follow me on Instagram Miss Sherry so much. No, my God, thank you.